Welcome to episode 72 of Contested Catch. We are back and talking the AFC and NFC Championship games. Of course, we are joined by, and we've got a special introduction for you, Jeff. Uh, happy birthday to the main man, our co-host and data specialist, always shirtless except for today, Jeff Gould. Jeff, happy birthday. How are you, my friend? Thank you, Will. Thank you. Uh, I'm doing very well, aside from the fact I have to start paying for my own health insurance now. Oh, why is that? Because it's my birthday. I, oh, yeah. I guess you could still be on your parents. I, I don't know. I've been doing it through my employer. So uh, No, no. I've been on the family health insurance up until tomorrow. I'm not allowed to anymore. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> uh, good Sorry for getting okay. political. <laughs> I feel like once an episode we do. Um, good stuff. So, Jeff, happy birthday again. Um, we are rapidly approaching the last episode of season two of Contested Catch. We usually wrap up the season with our Super Bowl coverage. Um, but don't worry. After a short layoff, we'll be back talking the NFL draft, offseason moves, storylines, and more shortly after that. So it's really not much of a, uh, a break between seasons two and three, uh, unlike, you know, something like Game of Thrones or something. We've got to wait a year and a half. So, oh, no, we'll be right into draft season. Right into draft. I mean, season. I'm already on to 2022 draft class. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. So anyway, Jeff, we are talking AFC and NFC championship games, but I just want to rewind real quick to the divisional round and just say, I think we killed this round. Truly. We basically spot on the final score of the Packers Rams matchup Packers spread hitting on the 32 to 18 finish uh, in Kansas city and Cleveland was a lot lower scoring than I predicted, but some of that had to do with Mahomes' injury, albeit later in the game. So maybe not too much, but Cleveland spread hit as they lost 22 to 17. Uh, the spread was plus 10. So that hit. Buffalo uh, final score was dominant over the Ravens, 17 to three, but that's majorly skewed by the 101 yard interception return by Taron Johnson, a play that will be replayed in Buffalo millions and millions of times over. How many how many times have you watched that replay already, Will? I don't know, at least two dozen. Um, I mean, it just keeps popping up on my feed, so I take the Those, time to watch it. Uh, two dozens, like rookie numbers. I think I watched it two dozen times Sunday night it, itself. <laughs> Yeah, Saturday that's night, fair. whenever the game was. <laughs> uh, well, we were trending towards a one-score finish in that game because obviously Ravens were about to score, it felt like, before that pick six, 101 yards. Um, so it would have been 10-10, but then it went 14-point swing. It went 17-3, and that was the final score. So still got that one right. Buffalo covered the spread comfortably. Um, and then I was wrong on Bucks saints I, I, I went with uh, the Saints in that matchup. The Bucs really handled New Orleans, notably picking off Drew Brees three times in his final NFL game, we believe. We'll talk about that one a little bit later when we talk about Bucks packers um, So, Jeff, overall, I went three for four in picks, and I think you were on board with all those as well. I think I had Bucks. Well, there you go. Well, you would have been yeah, four for four. I, I said Bill's Bucks Super Bowl at the end of last week's episode. Well, we'll, uh, we'll take that. I think we're going to be in lockstep at the end of this episode as well. Um, so most importantly, Jeff, the Bills moved on to the championship round. And let's start there. Kansas City is a three-point favorite at home, which I think is totally fair. Buffalo is a great team. They have been playing amazing. Kansas City is really good. They find a way to win almost every game they play. So I think that's fair to favor them. Um, we'll get into where we think this game is going to go. But before that, let's rewind all the way back to week six, where Buffalo fell to Kansas City 26-17. And Jeff... 
This game looked much different compared to the usual formula for success for Kansas City. They rushed for 245 yards. That was a season high for them. They only threw for 221. They had 46 carries compared to 26 attempts for Mahomes. Mahomes also had 10 rushing attempts, so the ball was still in his hands for a good bit. Um, the offense lacked explosiveness, but was efficient enough. And you know, through the air, especially Travis Kelsey, who had two touchdowns to take care of the Bills' defense. I think missing Matt Milano in that game had something to do with Kelsey's big day, and Trey White came back into or was in, coming into that game uh, nursing a back injury that held him out the week prior. So we weren't at full strength on the defensive side. Maybe that had something to do with it, but we did contain Tyreek Hill. Um, and it, you know, it really wasn't a very big day for the Kansas City offense outside of Clyde Edwards-Elair, who might be back for this game. He had a scary injury at the end of the regular season. Um, so we'll see. It, the Bills' offense, though, had an uncharacteristically poor game. Their 17 points were the Bills' lowest score of the regular season in a game that we felt like we needed to score maybe our highest points of the season uh, in order to to keep up and win. Um, Josh Allen had one of his worst statistical games of the season. He threw for about 50% completion percentage, which was his lowest of the year, I believe on his way to 122 yards, two touchdowns though, but he also had a pick, um, pretty average rushing numbers for him. And then in the chiefs only loss where their starters played. So excluding week 17, where they lost at the chargers playing their backups, the Raiders put up 40 points. So typically you need to have a big day on offense in order to topple the, the reigning Super Bowl champs. Um, but so Jeff, what are your takeaways? Let's just start by looking back at week six, this former matchup. Um, what are your takeaways from that game and how this bills team is the same or different now? So many weeks removed. So I'll start on the defensive side for Buffalo and it's like a completely different team. Honestly, um, as you said, Tredavious white was playing injured. Um, and I've, I've said before that I think cornerback might be the most sensitive to injury, like in terms of you know, how like a smaller injury can affect a, you know, a large creates a larger drop off in performance. So Trey White was hurt. Milano was out. Tremaine Edmonds was playing through an injury himself and like probably wouldn't have played if Milano like was completely healthy. Um, is one of Poyer hideout? No, I don't think so. No, I but, think were, but I think it was mainly Norm, Norman and Norman and or Levi were out or Taryn were out. Like we were missing like, our entire second multiple like, corner court. Yeah, exactly. like Trey was playing injured. Having Trey there period was a big, was a big help. Right. So like in it, the defense is simply completely different than it was all the way back then. I mean, I think even just since the buy, we have seen a completely different defense. Um, and I think the macro level game plan of allowing the chiefs to put the ball into the running backs hand, probably the, least explosive player on the field of their playmakers and not allowing it to go deep like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey beat you downfield. I think that is the correct macro level game plan. I think that the execution just simply was not there. However, I mean, as you said, the explosiveness and big plays, you know, we didn't allow those, but the issue was this was Kansas city's most efficient game on the ground all season. And it was also still one of their, like four most efficient games through the air. So um, even though we were mostly limiting the, the big plays and really like the big thing is we allowed a 60% success rate on first and second downs. That is not very good. However, no, it's not. <laughs> it was, we also induced Kansas city into their most run heavy game of the season. So like what we wanted to do 
we, we got them to do what we wanted them to do. It's just that we weren't able to stop them anyways. And I really think the big, you know, injuries were the big factor, but also, you know, week six off of the, you know, no preseason, like defenses across the league were struggling. And we just saw a defense that, you know, held the Ravens to their worst game in two years. Like that's the most like stifled Lamar Jackson Ravens have looked since his rookie season, I think. So I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not worried, but like I, cause it's the chiefs and Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey, like I know they're going to get theirs, but I think the defense is going to be well-prepared. Yeah. I I'm, I'm basically right in line with you, Jeff. I think, um, I think there's a, a a standard formula for beating the Chiefs, which is not doable for every team. Um, so I think it comes down to about five main points. You got to get pressure with four-man rush. Someone has to match up with Kelsey. That could be a safety, a very good safety, or a very good coverage linebacker. You need to have an elite cover cornerback and safeties to contain Tyreek Hill because you're not just going to be able to have this guy man up on him on the sideline. He's just too fast. So you need someone to take over the top. Uh, you need to have a run funnel game plan on defense. And then and mo- maybe not most importantly, but just as importantly as those four points on defense, an offense that can be explosive and keep up with Mahomes with aggressive play calling and decision making that plays to win, not playing to lose. And thankfully, Jeff, I see all of this in the current Buffalo Bills team. Um, I, I think that um, generally last time that we faced them, a similar defensive strategy with better execution will return better results this time. Like you said, they didn't execute well enough on stopping the run. I think that we just had problems with that early in the season. Like you said, a lot of teams were struggling. And then we just we just shut down Indianapolis and Baltimore, for the most part, two of the best run run offenses in the league uh, with this defense. Also, let's not forget, it was raining really hard. That's true. Like it was not, it was not a clean weather game. It was raining hard, which typically is a little advantage to the ball carriers because they're able to make their cuts a little bit, you know, sharper and not be reactive. And also, I mean, makes tackling a little more difficult when they're covered in water. Yeah, and, no, that's yeah, a good and, point. and I mean, and then going to the offensive side, the weather was also clearly a bit of a factor early on as well with some of the jobs the receivers had. Yep. Absolutely. So, so, you know, the first time the Chiefs dominated on the ground, just as the Bills invited them to try to do this time, the Bills will have to shut down the running game for the most part, um, just like we did against Indy and Baltimore to the best of the league at it. So um, but on offense, Jeff, the Bills have abolished the run, basically, just as you have been asking for on Twitter. And so we rushed 16 times for 32 yards, most of that coming at the end of the game with it already in hand. I believe some Neal's in there as well. Josh had seven carries for three yards. So I think we, I can't remember exactly. I think we had a couple of Neal's too. Yeah. I mean, it was, I posted a table the earlier this week and in all playoff games going back to 2006, it was the fourth most pass heavy game when taking into account like game situation and like, um, like down and distance. I love that. I really do. Um, and, and while the offense didn't put up gaudy numbers last week, we only had 10 offensive points because, well, I guess you could say 11 if you count the extra point. But, you know, we had the pick six that really sealed the game. The Ravens D is very good. And yet the Bills still played a mostly clean game of football. No turnovers, just two penalties. They've been very good in both regards recently. I think the main cause for concern from the Baltimore matchup, if you take a look at it, was the inability to complete third down conversions. We just went four for 13 in that regard. So I think if Buffalo is going to be able to sustain drives, we're going to get into third downs a good bit, I think. 
Uh, Kansas City's defense is underrated. I think people always talk about their offense for good reason. They probably have the best quarterback of the generation. Um, we're going to be saying that for a long, long time. But we're going to need to be able to convert third downs. And so I think that intermediate pass game, which is the thing that has gotten us to this point, um, is going to be huge in that regard. So with all this said, I think the Bills are filled with belief, pun intended. I think this team is ready to take the next step. I think it'll be Buffalo by three. So 30 to 27 Buffalo and on to the Super Bowl is my prediction, Jeff. I don't think that that is an egregious fan bias take. I think that a lot of people are going to be riding with the Bills in this one. I would say probably maybe like a 45% share um, in terms of people picking the Bills, which is a big credit to Buffalo because Kansas City, you know, Super Bowl favorites, reigning Super Bowl champs, amazing team, still have Mahomes. He's very likely to play. So for betting purposes, I'm comfortable still with the Bills plus three. Take the yeah, points. Mahomes did just say before we started that he cleared concussion protocol. Yeah, and, and as we've been talking about offline, it wasn't actually a concussion. It doesn't appear. He was in the protocol because he entered the we're, protocol yeah, during we're the game. we're really not but... sure. It's just really weird injury. Like the foot injury is going to be a bigger deal, possibly. Yeah, and, and honestly, Mahomes' rushing ability and ability to extend plays is probably one of the most underrated parts of his game. He routinely in big games picks up one or two or more first downs on the ground where the offense or the defense is doing a great job of containing all of these playmakers like we've been talking about. And yet Mahomes runs for 15 yards down the sideline. It's just unbelievably frustrating for the opposing team. So if that foot injury slows him at all, I think that'll be a big boost to Buffalo's defense. So, uh, Jeff, any other points on the Bills matchup against Kansas City? And are you riding with my uh, prediction here? Um, I think just a little more micro, I'll say. On the defensive side, I think being able to disguise our rush, like it's pretty well documented how lethal Mahomes is against the blitz and that teams have basically just even given up trying to blitz him. But I think showing like a six or seven man front and then where there could be like, say two, you know, two of them are going to rush and then like, but you don't know which of the other um, five are going to come in and then you drop two into coverage. So being able to maybe like disguise the uh, pressure that way like a sim pressure might be a strategy the Bills employ and hopefully try and just keep them off balance a little bit. Um, I think if they can force him to, I think it was, he was struggling going to his right before the injury Mahomes was because of the foot injury, like is where he was, well, whichever direction he was having trouble going. I mean, take advantage of that and see if we can just kind of keep him uncomfortable and then on the offensive side, um, the Chiefs defense is, you know, really like focuses on taking away passes to the outside. So I think it'll um, like from a little chess match X and O standpoint, will we just try and have Diggs beat them on the outside anyways? Or if not, then just take what we're given in the center of the field and underneath to Beasley, Knox, Singletary, or will digs get moved around a ton and now we see him like exploiting the middle of the field while we kind of like sacrifice john brown to the outside coverage and if we do that how will the chiefs adjust um like from a I, I could see singletary getting five or six targets because of that the way the chiefs defense is designed and also so get into later i think he might be the kind of running back like low-key running back play of the week um i, I could see him like look 
Bill him getting five or six targets and the Bills will need him to be effective if he does. No, for sure. It's going to be interesting, man. I think it's going to be a really good game. This is a matchup coming out of the AFC that a lot of people wanted to see because obviously the Bills and uh, exiting the regular season were the hottest team in football. We know Kansas City might be the best team in football. So that is going to be a really good one. Obviously, it's the it's the later of the two games on Sunday at 640, I believe. So make sure to tune in for that. We'll you know cover it either way it goes. But I am hopeful. I mean, nobody's nobody want is rooting for either team to establish the run in this game. Like this could just be a game where we see like ten combined like design carries. <laughs> it will be interesting. I think Josh Allen should get a little bit more run because it's obviously very different than a standard handoff. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a couple design quarterback draws, especially if we go five wide, split single yeah, single options. Well, actually, that's what I do wonder if the Bills might actually look to run the ball if we're having success running the ball look to do that a little bit more to reduce the number of possessions in the game like in the second and third quarter like in a neutral game script not even necessarily as like a clock killing you think or you think we're just already so ineffective at running the ball that like it's just not going to happen it's it's definitely not it's definitely plausible i just wonder if dable has realized that we're better at passing, you know, close to the line of scrimmage and picking up five yards than we are handing it off and picking up five yards. And yeah. so when you just kind of resign to that fact, you can set up a lot of things with these short uh, passes and screens and, you know, basically safer plays that are almost a handoff just to a, probably a more explosive player in space from the get-go. And so I prefer that approach. Yeah. Uh, I think Dable has decided that as well. Also, yeah, you know, I completely agree. Also, how hype is it that we are definitely getting Dable back next season? I guess it's definite because he would have to do something very silly to. to yeah, I mean, like he's leave. not getting another head coaching job, right? Like, so he's, he's already said no to Houston. So and like he's not going to college. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 a big 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 time step because if nothing else, that just cements that we'll have one more year of Josh, uh, who we're probably paying this offseason um working under dable so that when if and when dable leaves hopefully we'll be able to carry over the success that he uh that he brought here so yeah that's a big move and you know another big thing jeff we, we saw that gabe davis got hurt early in the baltimore matchup he's questionable for the game so he's been a big time player for the bills all season and limited action uh and especially in the playoffs with some of those sideline grabs that we talked about but um, the other good news is that the guy that he would otherwise be filling in for most likely is Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is cleared to play. And in terms of attacking the middle of the field, intermediate range, Cole Beasley is up there with anyone in the league in terms of doing that effectively and getting space. Very excited that he is going to be back. All right. So, Jeff, let's move on now to Green Bay, Tampa Bay. I think this is going to be the battle of the base. Uh, I think this is going to be a good game. The Packers are hot they are dominant they have been all year they handled the rams just as i thought they would knifing through them on the ground rogers put up nearly 300 yards and two touchdowns against a great pass defense Devonta adams is largely held in check um relative to his world beater standards you know t you know we usually expect like over 100 yards and multi-touchdowns which is just unbelievable to say um still posted nine catches for 66 yards and a touchdown um but they got to the qb on defense they held the Rams O to a combined two for nine on third and fourth down conversions. This defense stepped up and, you know, we know the Rams weren't at 100 percent. We know that they will. I believe they were fraudulent uh, from the get go. But, you know, they showed a little susceptibility on the ground. Cam Akers had a nice day. 
But now they get the matchup against Tampa Bay, who handled them or who handed them their worst loss of the season, uh, 38 to 10. It was an absolute embarrassment earlier in the year. So Rodgers had his only two multi uh, two interception game of the year. While they got nothing going anywhere on offense or defense, they had six penalties for 76 yards, five sacks allowed compared to none, none for the Bucks in either category. So it was a real, real embarrassment for the Packers. And, you know, they rebounded very nicely and, and finished the year very, very strongly. But Tom Brady did just what he needed in that matchup. He threw for 166 yards, two touchdowns. He had 23 handoffs to Ronald Jones, who torched the Packers for 113 yards and two more touchdowns. And Rob Gronkowski made a big impact, one of his best games of the year, five catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. So, Jeff, you know, thoughts on this Green Bay Packers team? Um, was that just a blip on the radar? Or do you think that the, the Bucks figured something out that no one else was really able to exploit this year? No, I think it was really just a blip on the radar. Um, maybe a little bit had to do with the fact Devontae Adams was just coming back from that injury that caused him to miss the like er, uh, earlier weeks. Uh, I don't put really any stock into that. It was, like I said, just a fluke game. And even if the Bucks really did find like a, a weakness, I'm sure the Packers have already solved that like weeks ago because otherwise other teams would have been exploding it. Well, one thing that I did read uh, recently with regard to this matchup and how it played out last time was that the Bucks are very heavy in zone on defense. And that has been the area that has given Rodgers more trouble uh, than against man-to-man coverage and against the Blitz. So I think that um, the Bucks are already schemed in a certain way that gives them a slight advantage over maybe other teams that are more man-to-man heavy. Um, I also agree, though, that you know if the Packers fail to adjust, if we know this, if the media knows this, the Packers must know this. They must have been able to break that down. So I, I definitely don't think that this is going to be the case this time. Um, the Bucks are coming off a decisive victory, though, against Drew Brees and company, winning in a similar fashion as they did against Green Bay early in the year. You know, Tom Brady had 199 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, did basically just what he needed to do. The run game was strong, 127 yards and a touchdown. They forced a great QB into multiple turnovers, breezed through three picks in his last game, we assume. And so, you know, there are a lot of parallels to the way that they beat New Orleans and the way that they beat the Packers early in the year. And I'll just say one other shout out here. The Bucks offensive line continues to be the unsung hero for this team, allowing just one sack. They've been one of the best, if not the best, all year long. And, I, you know, that was one of the reasons I think that Tom Brady came was because they said, hey, you got a great offensive line. Let's draft one more. You know, uh, I think the best offensive tackle in the draft with Tristan Wirfs in the teens of the draft. Um, and, and, you know, they've lived up to expectations and exceeded them. So both teams are rolling, Jeff. I think the Bucks are a more well-rounded team, even without Antonio Brown, who's officially out for this matchup. Probably a more talented roster, but can we really pick against Aaron Rodgers at this point? What are your thoughts on this matchup? And uh, give us your your pick for the game. Uh, I mean, there's really, like, I, I think the Packers are just the better team and a better coach and game plan and X and O and do everything a lot sharper. So, like, it's really tough to, like, not say the Packers. Um I think is the, on defense, the Packers are built back to front, which is the exact opposite of Tampa. Um, you know, the Tampa is getting Vita Vea back, which, you know, does help in the run game. I don't think he'll play a ton. Um, but also, like, if that's just pushing the Packers to throw the ball even more, is that even a plus? 
And I don't think there's anybody there that's really going to be able to stop Devante. And then you even still have Robert Tanyan, um, like Pro Bowl snub this year. Alan Lazard and MVS have started to grow into their own. Uh, you know, a friend of the show has dubbed Alan Lazard a top 10 wide receiver a little prematurely. <laughs> but so I really do think like there's no reason for the Packers to lose this game other than like the Bills box Super Bowl matchup and like Bills Brady. I think the Packers are really, really good. And I also think the Bucks are probably the more talented roster. You have a, you have a point that, you know, the Packers have uh, a leg up in terms of coaching, probably and game planning. But the Bucks also have Tom Brady, who's done this a lot more than Aaron Rodgers has. And that's saying a lot because Aaron Rodgers is a really good Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, Green Bay is favored by three and a half points at home. I was going back and forth on this decision, but I think I'm taking Tom Brady and the Bucks to upset on the road. Uh, it would complete one of the most fascinating Super Bowl storylines in recent memory. Like you already said, Bills facing off against their longtime villain, Tom Brady, in one final matchup, we would assume. Um, but, it, you know, it. I think it's going to be a really good game. I don't think that there is a clear favorite. I think three and a half points at home for, for Green Bay is fine. Like, not you know, up in arms about that whatsoever. Um, but I also think that maybe you're underselling the Bucks defense a little bit. I think that there are playmakers on this defense that haven't become household names yet, but Antoine Winfield Jr. has been stellar. Um, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, like they've had, they've got these guys from recent draft classes that have stepped up throughout the season. And so they may not be big names that are going to, we're going to say, oh, this guy might have a chance against Devontae Adams. But um, at the same time, you know, they also have an offense that can probably keep up with the Packers offense. So I don't know. I think it's gonna be a good game. I could see it going either way. Um, I'll go with the Bucks in this scenario because I would love to see the the Bills beat the Bucks in the Super Bowl. I'd be a little afraid if I'm being completely honest with you that it would just end in one last heartbreak against Brady. But um, yeah, I think uh, I, I think the last thing I'll say is that Tom Brady was brought in to do this exact thing, to win big games, get them to the Super Bowl. They already had a very talented roster. They just didn't have the quarterback position locked down. And, you know, I think there is magic in sports. Um, Tom Brady's had an amazing career, and I think that it would be very poetic for him to reach the Super Bowl without Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So, I don't know. Uh, th- those are my thoughts. So, I'll, I'll pick the Bucs. Um, I'll go Bucks money line for my for my bet there. Um any other thoughts on this matchup, Jeff? Oh, I guess with Antonio Brown being out, then like Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller kind of become the X factor. So, you know, just just two guys to keep an eye on there. And, and I think the combined size of Mike Evans, Gronk, and Tyler Johnson is really a lot for any defense to deal with. All right, let's move on to the DFS section now. We're going to do a quick uh DFS run through of this two game slate. We know we already talked about the games in detail, but Jeff, why don't you start by telling us your favorite value pick and contrarian play at each position for this condensed slate ahead of this weekend? First at quarterback, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of a homer pick, but we're rolling with Josh Allen. He's at a very price very nicely at 6,900. <laughs> um, and, you know, really, so that's 700 cheaper than Mahomes. He's coming in healthy. Um, we're expecting this game to you know, shoot out a bit more, be just like a, you know, pass, pass, like the entire game. So I like Allen over Mahomes, And, you know, like I said, I just kind of like the 
shootout potential. And also at this, this point, he probably offers the most on the ground with his legs at the running back position. I think Devin Singletary is at 4,500 and I like him for the reasons I mentioned earlier in that either the Kansas city just takes everything away deep and he gets some dump off passes from Allen, or even they do look to run the ball a little bit more if they're able to do so efficiently and kind of, you know, knock a couple possessions off the game to shorten it. And then the other side is I probably like Leonard Fournette the best. Um, you know, the, if green Bay's defense is, has been weak against the run, um, again, partly because they, you know, smartly focus on pat, uh, stopping the pass. So and Tampa, like, I mean, they opened the game with like against the Saints, just so extremely run heavy. So if they do the same and being cold and Lambo could probably see him try and do the same thing. So unless Ronald Jones, I don't know what his deal is, but I would guess that Leonard Fournette is um, going to be the guy. And then even if Ronald Jones does start out as the early down grinder, if Tampa Bay falls behind Fournette is the receiving back. So you still get the reception equity there. Anything you want to add so far? Yeah. So I'm actually going to pivot a little bit on the running back situation. Um, I agree on the Josh Allen take. I think that when you just look at the prices of these four quarterbacks, that he's the best pick um, considering the expected game script and uh, him not being the most expensive on the slate. So I like that. I also like stacks that you can do with that off that later, um, which I'll get to when we get there. But in terms of running back, I'm actually rolling with Ronald Jones in this scenario. He is priced um, less than Fournette. He's 4,600 versus Fournette is 5,300. I think ownership will favor Fournette um, because of how he played in the last last game. And he had, you know, 54 receiving yards and a touchdown in addition to uh, a healthy run, uh, run performance that was very similar to Ronald Jones, who lacked any of the receiving production. But I also think that the, the way that, Tampa Bay won in the previous matchup against Green Bay was feeding Ronald Jones. I don't think Leonard Fournette was in the picture yet or he wasn't active yet, maybe COVID protocols. Um, but it was Ron- it was the Ronald Jones show, really. And so I think that um, it, especially if they are in a run script, uh, run heavy script, I think Ronald Jones will do well in that regard. Um, and so I'm, I just think you go with the cheaper guy and it's kind of hard to project because they've been back and forth all year. So I'll go with Ronald Jones. I'm not too worried about the quad injury. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think the big concern is just like, he basically just got scratched right before kickoff. So it's kind of like, well, if that happens, I mean, you would have time to adjust your lineups or whatever that at least we know for just like not going to get yanked in the first quarter. Um, it's true. It's, but, it's a good yeah, point. Yeah. If he's completely healthy, I don't hate that at all. Okay. Moving on to wide receivers. Um, I think at the upper end, Mike Evans is probably the play of the week. Um, I mean, he has more or less the same ceiling as everyone else. Yeah, he has Shayer Alexander, but we don't really know that he's going to be shadowed. And they could easily just move Evans around the formation, try and get him away for a bit. I mean, move him into the slot, and that's it's like an incredible mismatch. So he's, you know, Diggs is at 7,000. Um, Hill's at 7,200 Adams at 8,000, but you can also, you know, so Evans is a whole 1200 cheaper than Diggs, um, and, you know, might have, you know, and has more or less like as high as ceiling, except for maybe Devonte Adams. Um, 
going for some of the cheaper, I mean, it really just drops off tremendously. Once you go Evans Godwin, then you're dropping all the way down to John Brown, Alan Lazard, Cole Beasley. Like, you know, you're more or less spinning the rule that will that point. I do. I think Brown um, could be a strong play, especially as like a contrarian off of digs. Um, And as you said, with Gabe Davis nursing the injury um, could look to see Brown get worked in a bit more. Tyler Johnson is we already mentioned is a solid play in the wake of the Antonio Brown absence. Um, and it is a Sammy Watkins revenge game. If he plays. True. Although he didn't play in the first matchup. He did not. Um, he never plays. <laughs> he never plays. Um, well, I really do like the, the John, the John Brown play. He had the same amount of receptions and targets as it's Diggs. He didn't have a touchdown. He didn't have as many yards. Uh, I just don't think they're the same caliber of player, but I do like the the John Brown play. We know he's active in this offense, so uh, I think that's good. What I went with, because again, I already agreed with you on Josh Allen. So what I went with in my lineup here is Stephon Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie. And when you go that low with McKenzie, who we know has a, a much underrated ceiling, albeit he doesn't touch it very frequently. Uh, he's a pretty small guy, but um, we know that he can score. We know that he's used creatively. And the reason I went with McKenzie here. Uh, is because I think the Bills offense is going to pull out all the stops. I think Dable has shown um, amazing creativity throughout the year, especially with getting players like McKenzie in space with the ball in their hands when everyone else is focusing on Cole Beasley or Stephon Diggs or Josh Allen. And so I think that McKenzie might have uh, the narrative, the, the game script that might favor him getting used more frequently than he has in the past uh, few weeks. And so I think McKenzie is good. I like just rolling with Diggs here. I mean, he's almost a lock for 100 yards receiving. And uh, I also went with Devontae Adams. And so I think that going so cheap with Isaiah McKenzie at 3,100 allows you to comfortably pay up for Diggs and Adams. And then I'll just skip ahead real quick and say I also paid up for Travis Kelsey because I went so cheap at flex. So uh, I think that that's kind of the way that I'm approaching this. Get some studs and then hope I get the right dart. I like it. Um yeah, and then what I was about to ask you is, how do you feel about making Travis Kelsey your wide receiver one this week? In terms of most expensive player? Like you put him in the flex and treat him as your wide receiver one and then double tight end. I don't hate it at all. I mean, I don't quite have that. I have I have Kelsey at my tight end and then I have Tyler Johnson at my flex for 3,000. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you could easily pivot off. Like I could just with the amount of budget I have left 200 bucks, I could easily pivot off Tyler Johnson and go Rob Gronkowski at 3,200. So I don't hate that whatsoever. Or make a little extra room to move up to Tanyan. I also think Dawson Knox is an, is an interesting play. Um, He wasn't active for the first matchup against the chiefs, but I think that he could be one of those guys that just kind of sneaks through the defense where the, the defense is focused on these other players that I've already been mentioning for the bills. Uh, and there's a lot of them. And so I think Dawson Knox um, at 2,800 is a very affordable option. He could easily catch a touchdown. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean he has incredible yards after catchability. It's just the catching part that he has trouble with. <laughs> Especially when he's wide open in the end zone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he is, like, pretty dangerous with the ball in his hand. So Over under uh, 0.5 receiving touchdowns for Josh Allen this week. Mm. Under. I think they'll be looking for it. Mm. I I could see I could see still a wide receiver pass. Um but like I don't know, I feel like they'll know to look for that. 
I think we are going to see some craziness near the goal line. I think it might be a big man touchdown. Deion Dawkins sneaking out. Lee Smith, Lee Smith passing touchdown to Deion Dawkins. <laughs> but if, dude, if, if that happens now, we're going to have to change the name to Contested Oracle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, good stuff. So anything else you want to add here? I guess I'll just say I, I went with the Bucks defense. Um, I think that there aren't. I mean, there isn't like a clear best play, I don't think, for defense. Um, I think you just kind of got to get lucky. I just went with the cheapest option here. I mean, you could go with Buffalo and hope that we are correct and that uh, this game is uh, that Buffalo has got this figured out a little bit more. But I do think that all of these defenses are going to get scored on. So it's really going to be about who forces the turnovers and the Buccaneers are the cheapest. And yet they just forced Drew Brees to throw three, three interceptions and they forced uh Aaron Rodgers to throw two the only time this year so I think that they're the best play at 2700 they also look like they're projected to be the most owned defense by a good margin so you know probably for the reasons you're saying like look like you know these are all good offenses you don't want to there's no point in paying up when they all have like no floor um so I could also see the pivoting up a hundred dollars to the bills like sort of mm. partly for the reasons that you mentioned also because they're going to be the lowest owned defense on the slate so yeah, that's a good point. Now, depending on your tournament structure and how the rest of your lineup is built, if you need to gain like a little bit of a differentiation, the Bills are a better play than Tampa. That's a good point. It's always interesting when you've got uh, such a small slate or you're doing showdowns that you have to find a way to be different. Um, otherwise, you really, really cap your upside. So um, any other thoughts on our DFS segment here, Jeff? Uh, no, I'm just going to be so nervous all day on Sunday. <laughs> yep. Me too, man. Uh, you know, the bills have never lost an, a conference championship game. Oh, well, that is true. Facts don't lie. Yeah. Uh, they've only lost Super Bowl. So, <laughs> so maybe we're safe in this round and next week's the one to worry about. I'd rather lose this weekend than to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. I don't know which one I'd rather have, to be honest. <laughs> I think I've been saying all week that, you know, like Buffalo as a city, as a franchise um, needs a Super Bowl more than almost everyone else in the league. Right. They've been the laughing stock for 20 plus years in terms of just being mediocre or worse. Um, and they also lost four straight Super Bowls, which is still one of those like longtime NFL jokes or, or buttons to push. Punchlines. Um, across the league punchlines yeah and so i've been saying though that i think if buffalo beats kansas city the reigning super bowl champs should be the super bowl favorites you know just amazing team um if we beat kansas city it's almost like winning the super bowl and it won't be probably enough to like you know lift our spirits if we were to lose tom brady in the super bowl but winning that game would just show so much about this team in the city and i don't know i mean I would if we were to beat Kansas City and lose to Tampa Bay, I would be obviously heartbroken that we lost in the Super Bowl. But I would still feel like this season was just everything we could ask for, basically. All right. Good stuff. That'll do it for episode 72 here. Obviously, our conference championship coverage. Um, we'll see how we do. We'll see what the Super Bowl matchup looks like after Sunday. I am very excited, anxious, nervous eager i don't know any other emotions you want to throw out there jeff hey, hey. hey, hey. If, if i get to kick my heels up and shout a couple more times 
uh, before the end of the season, I'll be pretty happy. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. We appreciate you and we hope to catch you next time. Thank you.